Okay, in some ways, the parashat of Tolkien is very difficult for us. Because the parish of Toldot attacks the basic conception that we have about the Avot, which is that they were better than, faster than, grew higher than, and in fact, everything about the Avot is prototypical. They weren't regular people. They were ideas. They functioned according to some higher set of values that uh, that we understand a little bit of. So it wasn't Abraham, it was Abraham Avinu. And it wasn't Yitzchak, and it wasn't Yaakov. They're all our fathers. Meaning that somehow they are the ones who produced the DNA. I don't like to do that. But it's a shortcut. Like, you know, you don't have to know what DNA is. The, you imagine that you know that's good enough but they are both they are both produced the DNA that made us so it's very hard for us to look upon them and think anything but superlative but when you read the parasha of Toldot what you have to say there's a his Yitzchak in the parasha he doesn't seem he doesn't seem to know what's going on Everybody is fooling him. Everybody in the picture. Right? There's Yaakov, Esa, Rivka. They're all fooling him. And not only are they fooling him, but at the very outset of the, of the parasha, he set himself apart from whatever we think the Avot are. So let's look at the Pesukim. Everybody knows these Pesukim. Uh, you remember, Rivka had twins. That, that itself is a problem. And what, what is she twins for? <laughs> Why couldn't she just have Yaakov? I mean, wouldn't that have been more reasonable? After all, Avram Avinu didn't have twins. But he had two sons from two wives. And that wasn't so great. It wasn't so great. And if you're looking for a continuation... One son, it seems to me, is quite, that would be quite enough. But why did she have twins? And why did one of them turn out to be good, and one of them turn out to be bad? What do you need the bad guy for? There are plenty of bad guys in the world. I mean, we're, we're full of them. So what does Yitzchak need a son who's a bad guy? But the interesting thing about Esau, who is a bad guy, is that everybody knows he's a bad guy, except Yitzhak. He's the only one who doesn't know. So the Pasuk says, by Okay, they grew up. Na'ar, you know, Na'ar has a halakhic connotation. More than Bar Mitzvah, but uh, six months, right? Six months you could be a Na'ar. But also has to, like the word Na'ar, which is like not such a big compliment. Uh, it's like a word. It's a word you can think about. By Naarim, they became older. By Ish. By Ish. Ish means in Hebrew possessing a quality. I know you think it means an adult male. But no. In the Tanakh it usually means possessing a certain quality, a certain kind of quality. So when you say ish, you're there, Sayyid. 
You mean that that was his definition. He was a Yodaya Thayer. He didn't hunt on Sunday afternoons because he wanted to get some, you know, hidden tension out of him. Or he was Vice President of the United States and wanted to shoot somebody. No, that's not why. He, that's who he was. He was a hunter. Which, in the way we look at things today, that's not number one compliment. You know, that you say about a person. Number one compliment is that you're, you study Torah. That that's what you do. So he is a man uh, of the working class. Now, nothing wrong with being a man of the working class, but you may have noticed that a lot of, uh, of Jews, especially, well, the Jews of Israel, Jews of America, who learn Torah, refuse to become part of that working class. Somehow they make it. And then, Yaakov Ishtam. Now, what is Tam? Tam usually means complete, finished, right? Tam. Tamin There shouldn't be any kind of blemish in the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch and man. Yaakov Ishtam. He owned, he owned this quality of Tzmimut. Imagine, he had two kids. One of them is up. Uh, is by definition personality. He's a hunter. He's a killer. I mean, that's what he does. I mean, you know, you could call it a sport, but as somebody ends up dead, or something ends up dead. So, 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 uh, a son, a son was each, your day of Thayyid, each Sunday. Yaakov, each time, your shego hummus, each time, your shego What's the connection between? Come and Yosheva, maybe he was doing something in the oil which enhanced his tmimut, his perfection. Right? He was able to do that. Or a tam tended to be alone. He tended to be alone because uh, he couldn't really talk to those people who were out hunting. Like there was, uh, it, it was like a little difficult. So he was Yosheva Ohalim. He was the first one who's called Tam. And so, so here you have a description of Pasuk that describes two children who are twins, who are totally different one from the other, and we, we would go with Yaakov any day. I mean, Yaakov is our man. He's who we want to be. Right, you know, okay, male, female, but there would be a female version of Yaakov someplace. So, that's just, that's us. That's what we want. We want to be Yaakov. We want to have children like Yaakov. We want to perpetuate the Yaakov idea. Who thinks of? Who thinks this other stuff? Every Jews go out hunting? Maybe in England they do that. I don't, I don't know. But generally speaking, where I come from, Brooklyn, I've never heard of anybody hunting. Never. There was no such thing. So there's another Patsuk. By Yehavi, Yitzchak, and they start. Now, what does the word by Yehav mean? To love somebody. But what does it mean in this Hatsuk? That according to Yitzchak, according to Yitzchak, Esav was better than Yaakov. Imagine that. It's not, a, it's not an educational Hatsuk. It's not like, yeah, like Yitzchak said, oh, I know Yaakov is better than Esav, but I'm going to prop him up. You know, like how you go to call up your counselor, and you say, well, my, my kid doesn't want to listen to me. I'll give him whatever he wants, you know. And then, it's not like that. Like you have. He loved, he really loved, he really loved uh, Esau. 
It's like he's not Jewish. Yitzchak, Yitzchak, the same one who, who we say went to Akedat Yitzchak, he was in the binding of, of Isaac. Yehav, Yitzchak, and Esav, Ki, Sayyid, Kefif. So now we're really stuck. Before, when the Pesach said, Vayetzav, Isha, their Sayyid, Esav, they didn't say I have to like him. But now, I say, Yitzchak loved him, so I guess I have to love him also. Verifka, oh heaven is Yaakov, so this is a separate story. Verifka obviously knew what was going on. Yitzchak didn't know what was going on. Those are the Rashi. There are a few little uh, pointers of Rashi. Vayigdeluha nariva yitzchak. Kol zman shayuktanim. Lo hayuni karim b'maaseihem. Ve'ein adam midakdek b'hem. What is this business of Na'arim, Rashi, Rashi asks. Why did the Patsuk have to emphasize that Vayigdilu Ha'na'arim? Why did you say Vayigdilu? What difference does it make? What difference does it make? But at some point in their life, so Rashi says, you, they, you understand that when they're very little, it's hard to differentiate them. It's hard to say, I love this one, but not that one. Or this one is this kind of person, that kind of person. I don't know if, that, if that's true. Why Why don't you invent this like a side point? Why not? What did the Pesuk say about Yitzhak Tzitzu? What? That's when she used to pass, Rashi says when she passed the Beit HaVodizara, so Esau would start kicking away in, in her stomach. Or her womb, whatever it is. And when they passed the Beit HaVodizara, so Yaakov would say, let me out of here, right? So, so obviously, at least Rivka knew, when they, even before they were born, that there was a difference between them. But again, Yitzchak didn't find out that he wasn't there. It's the like Yitzchak Tzitzu event. But he was uh, looking at them, you know, sitting around looking, and finally he figured out that he loves Esau, and he doesn't love, doesn't love Yaakov. He says, you know that this idea that right, that 13 is the age of our mitzvah is not so obvious or clear like the number why 13 why not 15 or 12 or any other number so there are rimazim that are brought in the Gemara for this for this date, but Rashi seems to think it's absolutely certain that Bar Mitzvah is the age at which you could tell all of the personality. Then the Rashi goes on and says, you're there, Sayyid, right? Slatsud, Vilaramot, and Aviv, Bethiv. What? You know that? You're there, Sayyid. Sayyid means to hunt, or to track, or to catch. Well, all those, all those kind of words, Sayyid. What does Rashi say? The Torah says that Esau was your dad's side. What does Rashi say? It says, You know, Rashi does that sometimes. But Rashi says, There is no, if you read the simple meaning of the words, you don't get anything. Like, the, like there's no pshat. No pshat means what the words say. So Rashi says, I don't care what the words say. This is what it means. It means something else. So Rashi says, Sayyid is not to hunt, but Sayyid is uh, to track, to intrap, 
to to fool to fool you. So that's what it, it, that's what he did. He said, "What? What? Ramot? 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 That, that he was good at deceiving. What deceit did he uh, did he do? What deceit did he do? He said he, he did it with his mouth by talking. What did he say? What did he say? This show I love Abba. Hey He would go to his father and he would say, Dad, like you know, you're the you're the big Talmud Chacham here in the house. How do you take trumot and matzot? Matzot from salt and straws. What's the correct answer? You don't. You don't. So so uh, so so so. So what is it that Yitzchak? What did Yitzchak say to the question that Esav asked him? That, oh, my son, he's such a tzaddik. He wants to be machmir. You know what Mahmer is? You do something you don't have to do. That's called Mahmer. So what did Aesop say? I want to take I want to take Mahmer from salt and from straw. So Yitzhak had a very high opinion of it. So if you read the Rashi, there's a new story that is being told. And that story sort of helps us a little bit. It's not that Aesop, I'm sorry, it's not that Yitzhak liked Aesop because he was a hunter. He liked him because he fooled him. Alright? Better. I mean, better that he fooled him that he should like him because he's a hunter. I mean, who, why would he like him because he's a hunter? That's not Rashi picks it out. He picks it out of Chazal. 
Now, there's a each subject. The Mashmaot Adam Vatel the Tzodeh Bakashato Hayotra is a man of the field. Not that he worked in the field. He just wandered around there. And when he had an opportunity, he caught some birds, he caught some small animals. I mean, he was like a... I can't help going back to those images of the English country, whatever they are. You know, these guys walk around and wait for something to happen. And that's what they do. So this is Esau. He walked around. He was Isha Sadeh. Yaakov Ishtam, the last Rashi. Yaakov Ishtam, he doesn't know about hunting, he doesn't know about killing, and he doesn't know about fooling his father. So they know about keeping called Ela, Ela. Can we both cut peace? But this is considered always to be a very high compliment that the way a person presents himself is the way he really is. But that's always, you know, that we have that problem. We, not, it's not Adam is a problem, but we have that problem, you know, everybody wears a uniform. Everybody's uniform says, you know who I am? And some of you don't wear a uniform because you don't want everybody to know who you are. But uniforms are a big thing in our lives. So he says, Eino bakibikol eila ela kiliboke peace. Mishe no charit leramot karitam. Someone who is not able to undermine the other person by speech is called a tam. That's what he's called. You know the Shem and Eva are the mystical Roshe Yeshiva that the Avot attended. Okay? Okay, we'll leave it, we'll leave it. So, so I think you understand that we're in trouble here. So we have to find some way of resolving I mean, we don't have to. But since the Torah is the and since we are who we are, we would like to be able to reconstitute a uh, Yitzchak and to put Esau in his place. We'd like to somehow, we'd like to. I mean, I admit that we're not open-minded here entirely, but who's open-minded about anything? I mean, really, you know, everything is built on everything else, and, and all literary analysis is probably connected to what you thought about, what you think about, what you know about. I mean, Literary analysis, analysis is not quite the same as mathematics. <laughs> I can tell you that because I've done poorly in both. <laughs> but is, so I want to learn with you a passage that was written by Rabbi Nathan of Nemerov, who was the prime founder of Rabbi Nathan of Russia. Rabbi Nathan was the one who wrote up most of the Torah of Rav Nachman of Bratzel, right? It, it, it ended up in a big book called Likute Moram, the Torah of Rav Nachman of Bratzel. But Rav Nathan, besides having apparently a kind of photographic memory, because most of the Torahs were said on Shabbat or Yom Tov, and he wrote them up after Shabbat or after Yom Tov, and, and they, they were edited again by Rabbi Nachman, by Rabbi Nachman, and published. They're published originally in two volumes. First was called one, and the second was called two. 
But, but after a while, they publish both volumes together. Always. So we always, if you go to buy Likud uh, de Maran, it always has both volumes in it. Uh, today. If you buy it, buy it today. But no, Rabbi Natan, Rabbi Natan was also an outstanding Talmud Chacham. He had this tremendous memory, and he was able to uh, he, was, he was able to discuss Torah in very interesting ways. So the story goes that Rabbi Natan, and it does say that everything happened very fast. Because Rabbi Natan died when he was thirty-six, right? I don't even remember when I was thirty-six. <laughs> so, so, so he, it's all stuck together, you know, it's all tied at all. There was Rabbi Nachman and Rabbi Nachman and, 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 and the Kudim Moran. It all happened in no time. It's, a, it's amazing. I, I mean, I think it's amazing. So, Rabbi Nachman decided, Rabbi Nachman, the Talmud, right, who decided that he would like to also have permission to write his own Torah. They call it, right? In Hasidot, in Yeshiva, they want to write a Torah. Write a Torah means an essay. I would like to write an essay at some time and say, he went to his Rebbe. He's not going to do it without getting permission. He went to his Rebbe. He was there at Pesach. In the story. He was there at Pesach, goes to the Rebbe, and he says to him, not when I want to write a Torah, but I mean, you have to give me permission. I'm not going to do it if you don't give me permission. So, Ravnachman said, okay, you can do that. But first, first I would like you just to review all of Nigle and Nista. So Nigle meant that he had to review all of Shaz, all of the Shulchan Aruch, the Tur, and the Shulchan Aruch, and in Nista he had to go through all the books of Kabbalah that were available. So Rav Nachman said to Rav Nathan, you can write the Torah, but first, Review all relevant literature. And the story goes that Rav Nathan came back to Rabbi, uh, to Rav Nathan, Erev Shavuot, and said, okay, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Rav Nathan said, okay, so write, uh, go write a story. Now, Rav Nathan wrote a book which is called Likutei Halachot. Likutei Halachot, in which he tries to show that you can integrate Rabbi Nachman's ideas with the Shulchan Aruch. Very interesting book. Uh, in the manner of Rabbi Nachman, it's published in ten volumes. <laughs> so if you haven't got a lot of time, you might not be interested. But we have one of these comments that he makes on the page in front of you. We're going to learn that. We learned that together, right? This will not make you a, a bratzel mechotzer. Don't worry. <laughs> and if you think that uh, that people in your family will not be happy about it, don't say that it's bratzel. <laughs> say something else. I mean, what's the difference? Listen to what what he says. The first the first paragraph doesn't count. It's not key. You see key. The word key in the second paragraph. He says, "Kikol agaluyot la'tzarot v'avim al Yisrael." Rabbi Nachman was very concerned about how to relate the reality in which he lived in with what God wants of us. It was very bothersome, but with with what God might want, it was very bothersome to him. For example, that Am Yisrael was in exile, in exile, because. Okay, we may have deserved punishment, but how could God 
leave the world this way. This is sort of like, like it was unacceptable. That we should just be running around like fish out of water, uh, hiding from these uh, non-Jews and running to that place and not being able to go to Eretz Yisrael. And, you know, it was a, this is all a problem to Rabbi Nachman. So Nassim says, because everything happens to us, all the tragedies and all the, all the victories, is he referenced the Torah of Rav Nachman. So, so we're not going to go into that, we're just going to go into what he says. So listen, he says, he says, I, I, I want to give you my philosophy of, the, of existence. Like, what is the world? What keeps the world going? He says, says, the world exists because there is a Torah. You know that Chazal said that in the parasha of Perak Aleph and Bereshit, by Erev Eivokeh, Yom Hashishi. So is there a Balkari? Somebody's a Balkari? If you, if you were a Balkari, you would know that the hey of Hashishi is written bigger than the other letters in the Sefer Torah. You think of the Sefer Torah? By Erev Eivokeh, Yom Hashishi. Why is that hey written bigger, as I'll ask? And they said because it's a reference to, uh, to the fifth day of Sivan. Uh, it's a reference to the sixth day of Sivan, which is the day of Shavuot, the day of Matan Torah. So that it sort of says that, you know, God created the world in six days, but it wasn't finished until the Torah was given to B'nai Yisrael. Now that idea serves as the bedrock, the foundation for a lot of thought that comes out of God. So right here he says it. He says, he says, Riva Yuhakov, Lomdim Karalishma, Levad, Bri Shum Kniyot, Klav. He says, if everybody would be learning Torah Lishma, meaning for the sake of the Torah. The angle, he says, Belishum There's no one who's learning Torah who wants something. Doesn't want to get honor for learning Torah. And he doesn't want to get uh, uh, money for learning Torah. He doesn't want to get prestige for learning Torah. That's belief Pinyot Klau. That you really were a Torah scholar. Not a scholar in the sense that you could outwit somebody. But that you're learning, that you realize that your existence is in order that you should learn Torah. There's no doubt that Natan said that the world would be a different world. It would be Mitzukan Vadamre. It would be as it should be. We wouldn't have all these battles and, and, and pogroms and chasing Jews from here to there, everything would be the way it should be. How should it be? You've been the Rabbam, the end of the Lachim, and the Rabbam tells you how it should be. People are nice to each other, they recognize the glory of God, they, uh, they're enterprising, but, but they don't have to be so enterprising because they don't have to have armies, and they don't have to have uh, atomic weapons. And, you know, it's ever so, it makes, like, you can all breathe easier in such a, such a situation. The Ikar Kol Hakil Kulimu 
Machmata Machloket. This is like something you have to think about. He says, the reason, the reason, I mean, the people, you know, we have elections in Israel sometimes. We just had a mayoral election, and before that we had a national election. Election in Israel is about, is about Machloket. And Machloket uh, sometimes reads hate. It's like, you know, in politics, you don't just disagree with the other person. You hate him. Because he's destroying you. So it's interesting how people are willing to have a tremendous amount of faith in their own ability to prophesy. Everybody's a prophet. Everybody knows which path is going to lead us into an abyss from which we're not going to be able ever to recover. So Ravnathan says, the worst thing that happens to us in this world is Machloket. Says most people who learn Torah, and this is one of the big things in Bratzler, that yes, there are people who learn Torah, but they're all in it to some extent, not entirely, but to some small extent, they're in it for themselves. They want to get something out of it. I mean, I don't think that's, so, that's an unreasonable assessment of reality. It doesn't mean that they're all bad people, they're only interested in honor and prestige, but a little bit. They're interested in a little bit of that, and therefore they're not in the category of lishma entirely. He says, even people who we say, oh, they're somebody who's learning the Shema. They're somebody who's really devoted. He's not 100% devoted. About 90%, 97%, 98%. But there's a little bit in him which is a blemish. Like, what is he not? What is he not? He's not an Ishtam. He's not Yaakov of Venus Ishtam. Because that little bit. Where was Yaakov of where was Yaakov Avinu? He was in the Oral. Who else was there in the Oral with him? Nobody. Nobody. So that, that, that Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov Avinu's ability to be at each time was unparalleled. Right? He was in the Oral. He, 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 he was not interested in, in the prestige of it, in the honor of it, in the glory of it. He was just studying Torah. It is a call tikunan who al yedei hatzadik haemet bechinat Moshe. So, so Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman got us into a kind of a hole here. If everybody is a little bit cracked, so how are we ever going to get out of this? How are we ever going to become what we're supposed to be? Because even the best people, the best people, the the greatest scholars, the people who are most involved. In, uh, in, in Jewish communal life and in teaching Torah, it says even they are a little bit chipped. So how are we ever going to get out of it if you say that only Torah Lishma is the only thing that's going to make the world a fifth place, a proper place, a divine place, that, then what's going to be? So he comes up with this idea that was very accepted in Hasidut, and that is that every generation Bechinat Moshe, just like there was a Moshe Rabbeinu, 
Right? There was a Moshe Rabbeinu. And what was it about Moshe Rabbeinu that was special? He had the Torah. And he gave over the Torah as much as he could. But there were no people like Moshe Rabbeinu to absorb the Torah. So there is this idea that is in Hasidut. There is this idea in Hasidut which is that every generation needs a Moshe Rabbeinu. And of course, Hasidim, they transferred that idea to Rebbe's, so the, the leaders, the, the outstanding personalities of Hasidim. They were the Moshe Rabbeinu of the generation. And so he says, he says, there's got to be somebody. There's got to be somebody who, who's come. Somebody who's got it. Somebody who is. Uh, because if you have that person, if you have that person, you call a limit, but limit slow, because if all the people in the world, all the people who know what I'm telling you, say that, they are sort of nothing in the face of these great tzadikim, uh, the Moshe Rabbeinu tzadikim, so then it becomes as though they're all on the level of Moshe Rabbeinu. Now you know the Hasidim, they invented this idea. They invented this idea, you want to daven? You want to daven? Uh, you go to the Rebbe. What do you mean you go to the Rebbe? But you don't need a sitter? You need a sitter. You're not going to sing Adon Allah. You're going to sing Adon Allah. So what are you doing there? What are you doing there with the Rebbe? Because they said, if you could connect your davening to the davening of the Rebbe, so it's as though you're davening on that level, on the level of the, of the Rebbe. And if you're learning Torah Lishma, but you have that chip in your armor, you have that chip that's, that's making it a little bit more difficult, so, so, you go with Moshe Rabbeinu. You dabble with Moshe Rabbeinu. You dabble with Moshe Rabbeinu. What is this? It's like, and there's a, there's a Torah of Nachman of Bratzlip, which is good for all the psychologists amongst you. Nachman of Bratzlip says, if you want to confess, you want to just get something off your chest. You want to say, you know, I did it. I won't do it again. I mean, you know, happens to people from time to time. If you want to do that, is you have to go to the tzaddik. And if you look at the face of the tzaddik, look at his face, you see the righteousness. And when you're looking at righteousness, your tshuva, your chalotah, your despondency is overwhelming. It's not like reading in the book. So what does the tzaddik say? Oh, you did it? Don't do it. What does the book say? You read a book of Musa? So the book says, oh, you did it? Don't do it again. What's the difference? What's this? When you see that a person can really be righteous, it, 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 it's tremendously disturbing. The hate is, is overwhelming you. It changes you. This is what Rav Nathan said. Rav Nathan said, right to it. You had to do tshuva on the tshuva. You remember? I must have said it a hundred times. <laughs> so I guess I could say another time. Yerachim is the one who said. They asked the question of halacha. Remember, if you did tshuva last year, you have to do tshuva this year again on the same thing. The question of halacha, because even if you did tshuva last year, I don't know if you did it so well, you did it perfectly, imperfectly. You tshuva, so Yerachim says, well, of course you have to do it again. 
Because tshuva has to do with where you're standing. So if you're standing in a pile of schmutz, and you say, gee, I don't really want to be in this pile of schmutz. So I'm not going to stand here anymore. So you know, you get a little, that's a little bit of tshuva. But when you get out of the pile of schmutz, and you come to the shul, and you're sitting in Dabri, and you say, oh, hey, now I have to do tshuva. Because when I was standing in the pile of schmutz, I didn't really understand how terrible the Avera was. But now, I'm standing here in Shuba, and I think you're going to do, have to do Shuba over here. So Shuba, according to Ragnathman, generates Shuba. So when you, when you look at the Tzaddik, when you look at the Tzaddik, you say, you say it's possible to be a Tzaddik, it's possible to be righteous. So when you come with your little peckle of Averis, you say, oh boy, it looks terrible. When you read in that book, Ragnathman says, it doesn't look like anything. Everybody knows you shouldn't go flush with her. Everybody knows you shouldn't steal. Everybody knows you shouldn't do. So what? So it says in the book, don't do it. And if you did it, do tshuva. No, no. That's why people like to learn Muslim. People like to learn Muslim because it doesn't affect them. So Rav Nathan says, go to the tzaddik. Go to the tzaddik. That'll, that'll have an effect on you. So here we are. We should tzaddik soli kaz or yukol alab mitzvah tlim so it's true. He says not everybody can be a perfect, perfectly righteous person, but everybody can connect to a perfectly righteous person. And if you connect to a perfectly righteous person, then you get credit for being perfectly righteous somehow. Somehow. I don't know how that works, but that's what that's what he said. We because of our sins. Not only do they not join up with this tzaddik, not only don't they connect, you know, the Radakum himself, this is Radakum, but you know, Radakum had this, uh, this in his own lifetime, the Sabbath is Shvola, Shvola Zayda, the Hasidian Shvola, was a tremendous, uh, was opposed violently to Radakum, because Radakum was very, not, uh, had a lot of novel ideas and notions. So you know that all these people don't like novel ideas and notions. They, they don't judge them. But there's a Shmolazede who was highly regarded because he was the Gabbai. You ready? He was the Gabbai for the Baal Shem Tov. So if you want a job that's going to give you a little notoriety, that's the job you should have. And so he had that notoriety. Shmolazede didn't like the fact that Rabbi Nachman said, I'm better than, I'm the real McCoy, uh, follow me. So he didn't like any of that. So here, Abnotan says that by not only do the people refuse to join up with the perfect Tzadik, who is Rabnachman, in his view, but but they disagree. Now you remember he said, Machloket. That's what causes the world to perpetuate the situation that we see around us. That's Maslokas, the dispute, the disagreement. And then he carries it into his own life, in his own daily life, where people disagree with Ravnathma, who is according to Ravnathma, obviously the true, the true tzaddik, right? The one who really had it. But people didn't want to go with him. I mean, how many Hasidim were there? Why do you think? You think 
there were 45,000, somebody told me, 45,000 people in, in Oman 200 years after Ramnathman died. How many people do you think were in Oman when he was alive? Maybe in Minyan. No, I mean, it's like a whole... Uh, so, so Rav Nelson, who was actually convinced that Rav Nelson was the special person of the generation, he said, look at what happens, people. I'm going to say to our four lines at the bottom of the column, it's not only true that they don't accept his authority, that they don't want to join with him, they don't want to join to daven with Rav Nelson, but... Uh, that's, you know, he's, he's referencing the Torah that he spoke about. כדי להמשיך עושר וכבוד ועל ידי זה הלמדן שאינו קשה כראוי אינו בהתורה כי אין בחינת שלא נשמע ולא זכה לעשות לו שם מוות. So Rav Nathan says that because of this suddenly the Sadiq it's a righteous person has a new problem to solve. If everybody would come with the righteous person, they would all go up to heaven together. Their family would all be, would be Bashamai. But since they're not coming, and since they, 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 uh, it's so the, the, the Sadiq, he has another problem. He has a new problem. He has to somehow, he has to somehow get the lowly Shema out of the world. And the way he gets the lowly Shema out of the world is by turning it into into Lishma, so you see somebody with Sadi is interested in money, or he's interested in cover, or he's interested in having a nice carriage to ride around the serve. Nachman says he has no choice. He has no choice because he's got to get these midot, these personality defects out of the people. He's got to raise them up somehow. Even personality defects could be could be raised up. He says, by his there. And all of this, this machlokas, and this need that the tzaddik has to draw in the lowly shema. You know, the tzaddik is working against himself. He's working against himself according to Rav Nosson. If, if all the people would just like pay attention and come with him, everything would be fine. But now he's got to get them. He's got to attract them. It's a, a Eurigo Hashem Aliyah, as the Zohar says. Sometimes you've got to go down into the, into the Shmutz. Rav Nosson said it. It ought to get the people out of the Shmutz. But there's nothing you can do. But when you're doing that, when you're doing that, you're fighting Maklokas and you're not fighting for this superior wisdom. Right? You're not doing that. And all the destructions come from that. And 
לקבל הברכות מיצחק. ומן בעל פרשה, here we are. So we say, so according to Rav Nathan, Yaakov, he's so troubled. וזה היו כל מלחמות יעקב עם עשיו, וכל התחפונות שהוכרח לעשות נגדו לקבל הברכות ליצחק. So that Yaakov and Esau become the model. They give us this, this knowledge. They show us what we would not have seen without Yaakov and Esau. And what do they show us? That the tzaddik, we all know the tzaddik is, that's Yaakov. Sometimes he has to go deep into the general depravity in the world. He has to lie, he has to fool his father, he has to run away. He has to do whatever he has to do because, because that's the only way to fix the world at that time. Yitzchak was mistaken about Esav. Kitzayid Befiv. Shetzad Aviv Beirei Piv Daika. Kishalo Abba Echmat Shineta Tevin. You remember Rashi? Kiil Hu Tzadikum Mitahek Rabo Pitorah Bechumrod Yeterot so that was Yaakov. What Yaakov was fighting against was Esau, who in fact, in fact was using the Torah or Torah idea in order to fool his father to change things. And therefore, Yaakov, who was a true tzaddik, who was a true tzaddik, had to fight against, had to fight against that, that tendency and the fact that Yitzchak, uh, Yitzchak was, was fooled. Rav Nachman says also, Rabbi says also, he says, you know, that the most righteous people, we talk about Yitzchak and Esau. There's righteous people, Rabbi said, that have this tremendous weakness. Abu Rabbi Yitzchak had this tremendous weakness, and that weakness was that they saw goodness in people. There are people like that. They feel like that. And, and, and they're kind of wrong. And that's what Rabbi Moses said, they're wrong. It's a mistake. You're not going to get anything out of Esau. But Yitzchak thought that if he loved Esau, that if he loved Esau, it would all change. Right? Remember Avram Avinu and Yishmael? I could as well have to tell Avram Avinu, listen to Sarah. Listen to Sarah because you're Ahava. The love that you have for everybody and the potential that you see in everybody being righteous, you are Ramavino. It's sometimes misplaced. It's sometimes overdone. So that Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov Avinu knew what Yitzchak didn't know. Because Yitzchak, Yitzchak was, was an Olat right? He was, he was the perfect sacrifice. He was sacrificed. He gave up everything for God. So that kind of person doesn't see anything. But Yaakov was able to see what Esau was. Even though Yitzchak wasn't able to see it, but Yaakov was able to see it. And we see the stories of the Torah when, when, uh, when Esau sold his birthright to Yaakov. Yaakov understood that they were an issue. That there's something to fight about. There's something to fight about. So Rav taught us. Rav taught us that there's a world 
There's a temporary world, and there's an ultimate world. And the temporary world is a world of machloken, of divisiveness, of, of impure thinking, and, and, and that kind of world can only be overwhelmed by a world of Moshe, Moshe Mashiach, they call it in the Gemara, uh, the Moshe Rabbeinu who knows the score, who knows the, the Lishma of Torah study, and is able to bring up those who don't have it, right? And Yitzchak was the first one who was unable to. He was unable to change Esau. But the fact that he tried doesn't necessarily mean that he didn't understand what was going on. As it says, by Yehav, Yitzchak, and Yitzchak, love is. Love is not something that is entirely rational, right? For most people. It's like it has some elements that defy logic sometimes. Uh, but uh, the Ahava is based on the assumption that things can work out, that things will straighten out, that if you just clarify the matter. And Yaakov knew and Rivka knew that in the case of Esau, this was not possible. And so this situation, Yaakov and Esau throughout history, will be retained until, against B.S. Moshe, Rabbeinu, Mashiach, Zikadu, have a good shot.